Our scripture reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 55. Behold, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so, you, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word go out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> what a beautiful passage. And a part of what makes it so beautiful is that its ways are not our ways. It seems so foreign to us to see this amazing image of this text. Because we live in a world with a lot of scarcity mindset. There's not going to be enough. So I have to do all that I can to get what I need, knowing that someone else will not have what they need, but i, I got to take care of me first. So maybe some of you have already made your trips to the grocery store thinking, I don't know how long this particular baking thing will still be in the grocery store. I'm not going to take the risk that they're going to run out of Maybe you want to make pumpkin pie. They're going to run out of pumpkin, and I've got, I've got to get the pumpkin stuff. I've got to get flour. I don't want it to run out. Right? We, we just are too attuned to the fact that all too often in life, things run out. And we don't want it to run out on us. So we're going to run out as quickly as we can to make sure we get what we need, need and then, you know, what happens, happens. And so... Uh, maybe for you, you've seen the scarcity mindset at work that sometimes the sweetest of foods, maybe you're at the Thanksgiving uh, meal and you've got a, kind of a come and go situation or the, the food is just overflowing. And, and yet when you go back and there's one of an item left on the plate, there's something about really sweet about, I'll take that last one. And we just, we, we just savor that, well, I, I'll consume it myself. I know there's not going to be enough. And I was thinking, you know, it's not just food. 
Um, I had a professor in undergrad who celebrated in the first class session that 50% of the class would fail the class. He's like, basically, look to your side. One of you is failing. And he thought that was a real marker of pride. Like, I give a hard enough class that half of you are going to fail. And doesn't that make me such a great teacher? That there's not a capability for us to all do well, but isn't it great that there's going to be a a sifting and half of you are not going to make it? We live in that kind of world where we can't even imagine living out this text in Isaiah 55. How on earth can we live in a world where, where needs are satisfied in this way? Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I love that image just because you know, the rivers and the waters are coming, and it's like, well, I didn't do anything to earn this water. It's just here to, to be enjoyed. And we know what it's like to maybe mess up those waters and to feel like our responsibility, we've let it down. But, but the beauty of this water that I did nothing for that is coming down and I get to enjoy. You that have no money, come buy and eat. What a beautiful and unusual image. We've got this marketplace set up. Buy the wine and the milk and, and, and you know, the, the honey, the, the bread, whatever you need. We've got this marketplace set up. You who have no money, come buy it. What on earth does that mean, God? And what is it that I might have nothing in my pocket? So like, I'm supposed to exchange something, right? That's how scarcity works. We're, we're bartering with each other. We, we know that there's only a limited amount of things, and, and I need to have something to give you. But, but no, just, hey, if you are hungry, come to the market. I know you have no money, but buy, eat, enjoy. And it's such a beautiful image. And I love that um, it's not in that story about the value of, of how much money you have in your pocket, but each person has value that they bring with them. That you who are hungry matter. Come, take, eat, enjoy. And I love for us, you know, as a community, we've tried to live this kind of story out every week. And it's a beautiful thing that, hey, it doesn't matter. You might have some money to contribute. You might not have some money. It doesn't matter at all. We think you deserve to have a wonderful meal experience. Come to the table. Come all who are hungry, eat and enjoy. And it's so foreign to the regular way of the world that it stands out. And I know one of the first questions that, you know, when you talk to other churches of like, hey, this has been really great for us, you know, and, and one of the first questions that people always want to get to is, so how do you pay for it? Right, because that's like, but how do you do it? You know, of like, how do you have a marketplace where people just come and get, get the food and there's no money involved? But this is this beautiful, idyllic image that God's kingdom is trying to get to a place where there's food and you're not worrying about who doesn't have enough money to pay for it. It's just abundance overflowing. It's the beauty of you know, Thanksgiving week in which you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have a Thanksgiving giant feast when you are going into the snowy, cold winter. Wait, there's no more harvests for a while. Wait, how are, how are we going to make it through? And No, we're throwing a feast now before 
the winter. Shouldn't you be storing it up, rationing it, bringing out just tiny little bits of something? But what is it to have feasts in abundance in a scarcity world? And so God takes this opportunity when he's laying out this image for you of just, wouldn't this be beautiful to live into this existence? He says, okay, you know, some of you do have some money in your pockets. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? So he's calling us to reflect on, okay, what matters in life? You know, if we got to get rid of the system, everybody got to get their needs met. Well, how many times are we spending our money on things that aren't needs, that don't matter, that we just keep throwing our money at it, thinking maybe this will satisfy. It's never satisfied me before, but maybe this time, that next thing. And I know we live in a society that we are inundated with ads of all the things that, hey, this will satisfy your needs, this next thing. Just, and it might be a, a beautiful looking food item for a restaurant. It might be a, an amazing looking car. Uh, all sorts of things that, that are laid out in front of us of just Maybe this will bring satisfaction. But God invites us to imagine, what would it be like for us to have all of our needs met? Everybody's taken care of. Everybody's filled. Everyone's had enough to drink, to eat. Why are we spending the money that we do have in this time before we get to that moment the way that we do? Think about what do we spend our money for? What, where is our priorities, our heart, our, our trust? And it's in that that God then moves from that, okay, you're trying to satisfy your needs. Let me remind you of who I am. And so God talks about his covenant that he made with his people, that he would rule them, he would give them life, he would, he would be a part of bringing about blessings in a future and possibility. And then he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We live in a spiritual market where you don't have to bring money to God to show up to God, to pray, to talk to God, to listen to God. And so many of us, we, we, we're spending our money, we're spending our, our desires, we're trying to meet our desires in all sorts of other pursuits. And, and Isaiah's just saying, hey, God is near. While God is choosing to be near to you, why why don't you put your, your money, your life, your soul, everything into God? Like, he's right there. Why are we throwing ourselves after all the other kinds of pursuits when God is so close? A God who makes this kind of world possible, this kind of life possible. Seek God while he's close by. And so return to the Lord that he may have mercy and to the God who will abundantly pardon. This is another, like, it's easy to get lost at, wait, how does the marketplace economy work in which everybody gets to go buy the food and they have no money? But as lavish as that is, as unusual, as how does that work as that is, we sometimes just pass over this, that God says, I'm going to be merciful, pardon, forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter what the ledger looks like in your spiritual life. I'm just saying you're forgiven. And that's just as challenging, if not more challenging, to imagine or understand. Wait, but 
God, do you know about what I did that one day? You know, do, do you know what I, what I thought about, what I, what I said? Can I come back from that? Because for many of us, the things where we've failed people, we've not loved well, we've hurt people, we've harmed people, we can't find a way sometimes to forgive ourselves. We can't imagine our, our loved ones, our friends, our family forgiving us. And so we hide it. And so our storehouses of our sin that we don't want to acknowledge gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because, you know, it's kind of the winter time of like, I don't know, is forgiveness coming? Is, is forgiveness going to rain down? Or is this going to be a cold season in which no one accepts me, where I get shunned by, by people, by God? And so we have these storehouses of our problems that we're unwilling to, to let go, to reveal. But God says, hey, show up to me. I have this abundant pardon, abundant forgiveness. I need you to trust that you show up at the register and God doesn't say, ah, you still owe too much. This place isn't for you. And so if you imagine going to the checkout line and you're like, oh, I don't know if I have enough money. If you go up to the spiritual checkout line with God and say, I don't know. I don't know if I get in. God's checking out. He says, hey, guess what? It didn't matter how many things were in this basket of your problems, your junk in life. It's forgiven. Enjoy. Walk freely. And for so many of us, it's just so hard to live imagining that kind of abundant forgiveness and healing. Because there's something in us that says, wait, none of this is fair. It's not fair that, that everybody gets all the stuff in the marketplace. Why, why does everybody get everything? Shouldn't I, if I've worked hard, I got more money, shouldn't I get things and somebody else not get them? What if I've tried to live faithfully and that person messed up every day and I feel like it's not fair? Why are they forgiven just as much as me? Life's just not fair. We plead and we want fairness until it's like, okay, but, but yeah, give me forgiveness. But, but for everybody else, I want to see what fairness looks like in the world. And Jesus tells us a story about a manager who's trying to hire some workers. He says, hey, could you work for me? Hey, go, maybe it's go work the vineyard, whatever it was in the story. But he goes, hey, I'll, I'll give you, let's say I'll give you a hundred bucks. Can you go work for me? And then later in the day, he's like, you know what, I, I need some more workers. We need more workers. He goes out and finds some more people at noon. He's like, I, I got some work. Can you come work with me? And then three o'clock rolls around. You know what, we could use more workers. He gets more workers. It's six o'clock, seven o'clock. It's the evening. We need more workers. And when the day comes to an end, he comes up with $100, keeps paying every single worker 100 bucks. I say, that's not fair. I've been here all day. Why does this guy that just came in at the last minute get the same amount? It's not fair. And for so many of us, we can't break out of this. What feels fair? What feels right? Well, if you had just made better responsible decisions, you're just going to have to live in the consequences of your life decisions. But God says, both physically, spiritually, I want to abundantly bless you. Please search for me. Call for me. Come to me. Stop trying to go everywhere else. If you come to me, come to those who are thirsty to the waters. 
take, drink, be filled. What a beautiful invitation to the abundance of forgiveness. And I, I also just like to note, for so many of us, we have too caricatured the Bible into the Old Testament as judgy, the New Testament is gracy, is good, hopeful. What a beautiful text in Isaiah of the abundant grace and mercy of God. And so, in this story, Isaiah goes further to talk about when the rain and the snow come down from heaven. He goes, you know, I, I know that you realize God's ways are different and you're struggling to understand it. But just as the rain and the snow comes down and they don't return until they've watered the earth, so shall my word go out from my mouth and it shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You might not understand God's ways, but there's a beauty in saying, well, something about what God is telling you is going to stick. And it won't leave you until something sticks for whatever purpose God has for it. And so, you know, you might look outside and be like, you might love the snow. You might really dislike it. I think it somewhat depends on whether you have to shovel it, but... You know, my girls love it, but they're not out there shoveling it as much, you know. But no matter what, it waters the earth. Sometimes we wish it watered a little bit slower or a little bit faster. But it has a purpose and it fulfills it. It's a part of the life cycle. And some things feel a little bit unpleasant. Some things feel more pleasant but they're all serving whatever God is doing in the grander schemes and purposes of this world. And so you might be in the midst of the snowstorm that feels like it's too much. It feels like it's keeping you from seeing anything else in life. The whiteout is just preventing you from seeing past whatever those obstacles are. And this, this text tells you that God has some purpose that God will do in the midst of that. That doesn't mean God wants to harm you with the cold weather. God doesn't want to harm you and hurt you. But in the midst of life's current harms and pains, there will be some bit of watering that brings life and purpose and hope. And we can cling to that in the midst of the storms and the rains that come our way. And so... For you, if you've been trying to figure out, like, how do I live into this different mindset? How do I live into God's grace? How do I give that grace to others around me where I'm not trying to figure out the ledger? Let's see, what you've done right or wrong for me is, mm, you're not invited to Thanksgiving this year. Instead of living that way, how do we get out of that? If we seek God a little bit more, wherever you're at, you might be like, I'm on fire for God. There's always chances for more. If you haven't spent a lot of time reading the Bible much, spending a little bit of time, you're like, I, don't, I won't understand everything. That's okay. Like the snow that comes down and waters the earth, something will stick for you. Something that you need to hear. Something that you need to be, to be grown by will happen. And God's purposes might not just be known to you, but might come through you and live out into the world around you. You might be a little bit more gracious to those that you come in contact with. 
And so we, we pray that God might bring life and purpose and meaning to us, that we might not just have access to things or we could take all the stuff that we want, but we might give the stuff that people need around us. And so Isaiah goes on to talk about the way that we live in this text if we're living out this story. It says, For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you might burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. I want to pause to say, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't think about who this was originally written to. Uh, this section of Isaiah is from the time of exile. And you probably, you know, if you think about historical notes, I talk about the exile a lot. And that's because the Bible in the Old Testament talks about the exile a lot. This section of Isaiah is from a time of exile where people wouldn't have had a lot of money in their pockets. They wouldn't have been able to go to the market as easily and buy what they need. And even worse than that, as a people, they were the people that were being sold at the market. They'd been sold into slavery, ripped from their homes, taken from their homeland. And they knew what it was like to be commodified, that their work was their value. And somehow in the midst of a society that's that wrong, that is so wrong about who each of us are and what we deserve and the freedoms we should have, that tells people that their worth is just their labor to their master. In that world, Isaiah says, you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. It's not joy that is ignorant of how the world works or how it fails us sometimes. It is a joy because it knows the kind of kingdom, the kind of world that God is bringing about and that this present world is falling away as it should. Because people shouldn't hear the message that they are slaves, that they are, are, are unforgiven, that they are worthless. That world needs to pass away. And so, Isaiah tells them, there's a time where the marketplace will be completely different. Where your relationship with the other nations will be completely different. Even nations you don't know, won't. they'll come to you and they'll, They'll celebrate God through you. It's not a world of retribution. He doesn't say, see the nations that, that don't know you, they shall fear you, run from you, hide from you. You're going to get your revenge on them. But they shall run to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One, has glorified you. Because people will see something is different here in this place. What is going on? I want that too. I want that joy. I want that peace. What does that look like? How do I get that? And that gets us back to, you know, for us in this last year, um, we've had so much conversation about the cafe. And the, the reason is, is because people want to know, how on earth are you paying for it? That makes no sense. This isn't a good way to make money. But they're like, but how are you so joyful? How is there so much peace? Like, you know that the people having dinner voted differently a few weeks ago, right? You know that their economics are a wide variety, right? You know that there are people in there that are of different faiths than us. And yet, 
something about the joy and the peace of being able to be brought to the table, to have hunger met, to have needs met, to have conversation, becomes the opportunity to celebrate how great God is. Because it's God who allows and enables us to live in such abundance. Abundance of hope, of joy, of life, of food. And so, Isaiah tells us to live with this purpose, to seek God, to to lean into the one who can actually satisfy us. And so Isaiah ends with, instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress, instead of the briar shall come the myrtle, and it shall be for the Lord a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. For those of us who've had moments where we've seen this abundance lived out, where you felt fully forgiven and you could fully be yourself, when you've had moments where you felt like you've been accepted, what's the memorial of that moment? What's the reminder? Is it a place that you want to go visit again? Is it a, like a thing? You're like, what's that reminder for you that reminds you God is great, He's faithful, He's loving? Because we need that reminder, because it's too easy to walk through the world and then realize the market is not what it could be yet. And so we need our eyes to see the thing of what it can be. And so maybe this year for Thanksgiving, you might think with fresh eyes about what are you thankful for? Because like the snow that comes down and waters the earth, there will be something life-giving going on in your life. You could think about the ways in which it's caused you extra work. Maybe you've got a relationship, a a friend, a coworker, a family member that you're like, that's been a heavy snow this year. It's been a lot of work. I feel like I keep shoveling the snow and it keeps coming back. And then it freezes over into ice and I'm having to salt it and work it. But there's something watering that part of your life. Can you find a place of gratefulness, of thankfulness for how God might bring his purposes where we might not even see them yet? We just have to trust. And so that's what we enter into this Thanksgiving season. I hope when you see the the abundance of a table, and and maybe Thanksgiving abundance for you might just be Wednesday night when we're going to have our turkey dinner, we'll have a Thanksgiving feast. So if that doesn't feel like it's something in your own personal place, please come here and have that open table. But not only make it about food, think about the greater things that satisfy, the greater one and what he brings about in your life. And so let's rest in that. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we ask that you might give us eyes to see the blessings that you've brought in our lives. Lord, give us awareness of your your grace, your forgiveness, your healing. Lord, may we be people filled with joy, with the spirit of thankfulness, no matter our circumstances. And Lord, for those who feel weighed down, who feel heavy, who feel despair or hopelessness, we ask that the, your kingdom, your will be done, might be, might be seen, might be visible around us. 
that you're not okay with the way that things are, that you are working to bring about a better world. Lord, help us to have eyes to see that even if our friends, our family around us aren't voicing your celebrations, aren't making life easier on us, Lord, help us to look out at the world around us, the mountains, the trees that clap. Let us see the beauty of this world and be grateful to live in it, to be a part of it. Lord, for all who are thirsty, for all who are hungry, we ask that you might fill us physically and spiritually today. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.